Well, thank you, Miss Judy. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that. Amen. Uh, God has been so good uh, to us. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 2, Gospel of John, uh, chapter 2. Uh, yesterday, I got the wonderful privilege and opportunity of going with our church uh, down to uh, Home Plate, where the Christian baseball players will uh, share their testimonies and uh, have a great time. Uh, and then we get to watch a baseball game. Uh, <laughs> so I had the privilege yesterday of freezing, praise God, uh, while watching uh, baseball, a sport that I love. My brother and I, I think I've shared this with you before, but my brother and I are uh, sports fanatics. We love sports. We will watch any sport. We will attempt to play any sport. Not now. We're kind of old now. We, we, uh, anything we do, we're just attempting at this point. But, uh, but when we were younger, we would play any sport and we love to watch. I mean, we would, <laughs> we would even watch curling. Woo, I don't understand what's going on, but we'd watch, man. Uh, any kind of sport, any kind of competition. And the, the wild part about that uh, is um, I begin began all of my love for sports with baseball. Uh, I began that love with, with the Tigers. Uh, uh, I was young, and in 84, woohoo, they were the team. Uh, and so I began my love of sports, but it, it was not because my father loved sports. In fact, my dad could care less about sports. He doesn't understand the rules. Uh, I know that because he cheats every time we try to play sports uh, with my father. Uh, but he doesn't understand the rules, uh, but, and he doesn't even watch sports. He doesn't like to sit and watch ball games or do any of those things. Uh, in fact, the reason I love sports and my brother loves sports is because my mom introduced us to the game of baseball. She taught us everything that we needed to know about baseball, and we fell in love and would go to sporting events. We still go uh, to sporting events, and we bring Dad along because somebody has got to go get the pop and the hot dog. Somebody's got to go do all that stuff, uh, but you will see at a game, my brother, myself, and my mother, we're not moving. We want to watch the baseball game. And mom always had that uh, uh, impact on us. Moms can make all the difference, even in areas where it doesn't uh, make sense. Uh, uh, we've had the privilege the last uh, few years uh, of going down to Lakeland, Florida uh, to go watch the Tigers in spring training. Oh, man, is that so much fun. I was thinking yesterday while I was freezing uh, watching that game <laughs> that just a few months before in February, I was watching these same Tigers play in 80 degree weather and I'm wondering why I'm so cold uh, watching them now but uh, but we love uh, going down there and we get a chance to be there a little bit early and the players will come out and sign autographs and you can talk with them and uh, I remember we were there uh, and and we were lined up where we were supposed to be and behind us on the fence on the field that that's where the ball players are coming off and I am trying to keep my children lined up because I want to get some autographs you know you never know who you're going to get and you, you got to line up and you got to be ready and you're supposed to wait till they come through the line and if they want to come they can come if they don't they don't but you're you're supposed to allow them to choose and I was sitting there trying to keep everything in order and all of a sudden I heard some lady 
screaming at one of the ball players that was coming off the field. I'm trying to make sure my kids are getting autographs because people are coming through and I'm trying to get the pictures and, and all, of a, <laughs> all of a sudden I hear some lady screaming uh, at Nick Castellanos, one of the up-and-coming Tigers, hollering at him to come and sign autographs for her children. Now what was weird to me was the lady's voice sounded a lot like my wife Michelle. I mean, it just sounded a lot like her. But I knew it wasn't her because <laughs> if you've known my wife for five minutes, you know she, she's shy, she's quiet, uh, <laughs> she married the loud and obnoxious one, amen. Uh, she is not one to get loud or to shout. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, they started hollering back to her. Uh, they asked permission, to they, can we sign anybody else's autograph? Uh, to which <laughs> uh, my wife replied, I don't care whose autograph you sign, as long as you sign my kid's autograph. And sure enough, they came through the line and they were laughing and my boys got a lot of autographs that day because I find moms will do things that are way out of their character if it's a benefit to their children. Moms can make all of the difference. You see, if they'd have been with dad that day, they'd have probably only got a few autographs because I ain't yelling at anybody. I'll just stay right there. Uh, we'll get some autographs. If you have your Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning to read in verse 1. If you'd stand for the reading of God's Word. The Gospel of John, chapter 2, beginning to read in verse 1. reads like this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for the gifts you bestowed upon us. Lord, we're thankful for uh, the mothers and the fact that they uh, go beyond the call of duty for each and every one of us. Lord, I uh, pray that you open up your word fresh and new to us today. Lord, may you challenge us in a brand new way. And Lord, may we begin to put into practice the things that we learn from looking into your word. Lord, I ask as I always do that you hide me behind the cross. May it be you that is seen and not me. Your words that are spoken and not my own. I love you, Jesus. And I ask this all in your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen. 
and amen. You may be seated. Wow. This is one of my uh, uh, favorite moments that Jesus uh, uh, has with his disciples and has with the world. I mean, it's that moment where really he came on the stage. Uh, I mean, they've known about him, but man, this is that moment uh, where they can't deny who he was. Remember, they have not seen a miracle uh, in probably 4,000 years. They have not seen any miracle, heard of any miracle, known of any miracle. So this is a big, big deal the very first thing I see in this miracle and what Jesus was doing, and there's so many moving parts, I'm going to do my best to get this down into something we could chew on and, and apply to our lives, but, but there's so much going on in just this simple miracle. The very first thing I see in all that was going on at this wedding is that Jesus honored his mother. Jesus honored his mother. You see, Jesus had not performed a miracle before this. No one had seen a miracle. It's been a long time since a prophet of God has come down and done anything miraculous. And, and Jesus hasn't done anything miraculous before this point. In fact, John the Baptist had proclaimed that he was the Messiah. You remember when he baptized, dove came down, voice from heaven says that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Woo! Uh, that's it. That, that's what Jesus has on his resume right now besides being a carpenter and all of those things that's what's on his resume he's been proclaimed the messiah by john the baptist a voice from heaven god spoke said this is my son in whom i am well pleased and many disciples had begun to follow jesus because can i tell you this that's enough for me amen if god is to speak and say this is my son in whom i'm well pleased i don't need proof i don't need anybody to show me anything and so many disciples are beginning to follow jesus they're beginning to say hey this is the one this is the Messiah. This is the one that God promised for all of us. And there's an excitement and it's stirring up. And a lot of people want to be his disciples and they're following him. Though Jesus only chose 12 disciples, there are hundreds that are following Jesus and wanting to be a part of his ministry, wanting to listen to anything that he says. But no miracles. No miracles to this point. Before this event, all he had was John... A dove and a voice from heaven. <laughs> That's what's on his resume. And it's good. It's a good resume. It's great. But the excitement and the hype around him hasn't really stirred to the far corners of the earth because there's been no miracles. And so Jesus is here at a wedding. Oh, man. Now, this is a big deal because to be invited to a wedding, to get that invitation to a, a wedding was a big deal. I mean, I know it's a big deal even in our society today, but in their society, it was even a bigger deal. It, it meant a lot because wedding feasts lasted a long time. And you invited those you loved and those who were closest to you and, and meant the most to you. And so Jesus is invited to this wedding, not just Jesus, but but Jesus, you're allowed to come and you can bring all of your disciples with you because uh, that's how much we love you and that's how much we want you there. If you're there, the disciples have to be there. So obviously, Jesus was close friends with this family. He's connected to them in some way that, uh, that is very meaningful. Everything is going great up until this point. Everything at the wedding is going fine. Jesus is there. His disciples are there. Jesus is beginning to get a little bit popular. People are starting to talk about him. Uh, and everything is going great until Mary, his mother, notices a major problem. 
Ooh, I won't get sidetracked right there. Amen. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, my mom sometimes, <laughs> uh, boy, she would teach me anytime I'd ever say a double negative. Ooh, man, I would get in a lot of trouble. Mom would uh, point those out to me immediately. But Mary notices a problem. In fact, not just a small problem. She notices a major problem. The wine is gone. Now, uh, we may think that's silly. But in reality, in their culture, in what is going on at that wedding feast, if the wine is gone, that means the celebration is over. We're done. We've celebrated as long as we could celebrate, and we're done. Here's the problem. They weren't done celebrating. They weren't done going through all of the things they were supposed to go through. And so now they have a major problem because the celebration is over. They didn't plan well. They they didn't set aside what they needed to do. And now, oh, man, this is going to be humiliating for the family this is going to be something that is devastating and you could begin to hear the whispers and you could begin to hear the people say can you believe i think they're out of wine i think the celebrate should we go have you ever had that conversation with your your spouse i guess i should say should we go i don't know should we leave should we stay i don't want to be rude but uh So you can hear the whispers. It's beginning to be a problem. It's beginning to be embarrassing. This is going to be something really, really bad. Mary realizes this is a problem. And so she looks to her son. Now we need to get some things straight here. Mary does not know what Jesus can do. He's not done a miracle until this point. So she has no idea that he can do miracles, okay? She might believe he could do miracles. She might think he can do miracles, but she's never seen a miracle, right? Except for herself and what happened with Jesus, right? When he was born, she understands that he's God's son. She understands the power that he has, but she doesn't know what kind of miracles he could do. She doesn't even know what he's going to do. She's standing beside herself here, Uh, but she says she doesn't know what Jesus can do, but she believes that Jesus can do something. Oh, man, have you ever been there before? She she believes that Jesus can do something about the situation. She doesn't know what Jesus can do or how Jesus can fix the problem, but she knows that Jesus can do something. Now, we need to see that this was not a case of mother knows best. This is not a case where uh, mom was standing there and, and saying, listen, son, uh, uh, God has called you to be the Messiah. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, virgin birth and all the miracles and the, uh, you remember the shepherds came. You don't remember. You were too little, but you remember all those great things, all the stories that you've heard all your, you're a, you're a miracle worker. I believe in you, Jesus. You can do it. And Jesus, I'm going to encourage you because you're kind of taking a little bit too long here. Uh, you've been Messiah here. They proclaimed you for a while now we haven't seen any miracle so i'm gonna shoo you out of the nest i'm gonna show you oh man you're gonna be all that god wants you to be this is not a case where mother knows best because mary does not realize what she is truly asking for mary doesn't realize what her request is going to cost she doesn't realize that 
So it's not a case where mom knows best, where mom's going to do something uh, for him, because Jesus tells her that his time has not come. That's what he says in verse 4. He says to her, dear woman, by the way, can I pause here for a second, teenagers? Never, ever address your mother as dear woman, okay? Yeah, just get that one right out of the way. He's Jesus. He can do it. We can't. Amen. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't, don't uh, address her as dear woman. But Jesus says, dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. To believe that Mary was pushing Jesus to do something, to say, hey, you can do this, I believe in you, hey, it's what your purpose is, and mother knows best, and mother's going to show you what you need to do, would be to say that Jesus doesn't fully understand his time or his purpose. Ooh. You see, Jesus understood, in fact, he fully understood his time and his purpose. He knew what he came to do all the while that he was here with us, as he walked this earth with us, and he knew exactly what he had come to do, and he knew exactly what he needed to do, and he knew exactly the time that it needed to happen. You see, what Mary didn't realize, but Jesus did, was that by doing this first miracle, it set the clock for the cross. By doing this first miracle, it set the clock for when the cross would come. Oh, because when he comes on the scene and becomes the Messiah, it's why Jesus, when he did miracles, would say, Hey, don't tell anybody. Shh. Because he realized when the people began to realize he could heal and he could do all of these things, they would bring to him all of their sick and all of their hurting. They would come to him because they wanted something to eat and he knew he could provide it for them. Hello, isn't that what happened when he fed the 5,000? <laughs> they kept following him and he said, <laughs> in fact, he had to say to him, that's pretty great scripture. He says to him, <laughs> uh, you can't be a part of me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> and everybody said, let's get out of here. This guy's lost it. But Jesus was saying, hey, you're following me for the wrong reasons. And Jesus realized that when the miracle started, that's when the march to the cross would start at the same time. It was not his time. His time had not yet come. And to say that Mary knew better than Jesus is to say that Jesus didn't understand his time or his purpose. And I'm not going to say that because he fully understood his time and his purpose. Yet... Yet he honored his mother and her request. Think about that for a moment. He honored her request. Why would he do that? <laughs> well, it's his mom. When mom says it, you do it, right? Uh, or else dad hits you upside the back of the head. That's usually how it worked in my family. Uh, uh, mom says it, you do it, or then dad gets involved, and we don't want dad involved. But I believe, I believe Jesus showed us a great example of loving and honoring our mothers by honoring her request, even though it wasn't what was in his time or his purpose, but because of all that she had sacrificed and given for him, Jesus honored his mother. What a, what a great example to set for each and every one of us. It got me to ask a question of myself. Do I honor my mother? And more specifically, yeah, I honor mom. But maybe more specifically, do I only honor mom when it benefits me? 
Or do I honor her in all things? Jesus leaves us a great example of honoring his mother, telling her his time had not yet come, but then fulfilling her request and loving her. The first thing I see is he honored his mom. The second thing that I see is his miracles. The miracles of Jesus require faith. Amen? The miracles of Jesus all require faith. Ah, Man, I need a miracle in my life. I don't know about anybody else that's here today. You don't have to confess your sins or point to your neighbor and say, this person over here needs a miracle. Amen. (laughs) We don't have to do that, but I need a miracle. I think each of us need a miracle in some aspect of our life. And we walk by faith. But we need to realize that miracles don't just happen. Even when Jesus is here and turning the water into wine, this is a great example. His miracles require faith. Jesus begins his uh, miracle by commanding the servants to go and get water. You see, it's going to require faith for these servants to complete this miracle. They're going to have to go and get water. Hey, we got a problem. There's no more wine. It's out. Jesus says, no problem. Go get me some water. Okay. So it's going to require faith for them to go and get this water, whether it doesn't make sense. You see, the thing I don't understand is if, and if I were one of those servants, why, if he has them getting water, uh, so that's what we're going to do, that's how we're going to do the miracle, why, if he has them getting water, would he fill up the dirty jars that are used for washing? I mean, think about that for a minute. He didn't just fill up jars of water. He filled up the dirty jars of water. He filled up the jars that people use to wash their dirty hands and, and wash themselves. Uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is not the jar that you'd use. In fact, that's what he says in verse 6 and 7. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim fill them up you see this would not be sanitary even in jesus time (laughs) this would not be sanitary this would not be something you would do if you were to tell everybody that was at the party hey we're going to get you a drink of water and we're going to get it from those stone jars over there they would all say you're gross that's not going to (laughs) happen i'm not drinking out of that water that's not sanitary that's not right i'm not going to do it But the men are then not only to fill up to the brim, but they're to draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet so the master of the banquet can drink dirty water. Praise God. I don't know about anybody else that's there that day, (laughs) but if I'm the servants, I'm saying this is not good. He is going to punish his mother, and we are going to be the ones that are going to get in trouble for it see the thing about this miracle the only thing in this miracle that really is debatable the only thing that that we can go back and forth about and debate about in this miracle it's it's not whether jesus could turn water into wine because obviously he did and if you have a problem believing jesus could turn water into wine you're really going to have a problem when i tell you he raised somebody from the dead Uh, i mean you just really get out there so turning the water into wine that's that's nothing for him to do and that's really not a debatable issue The only debatable thing about this miracle, it's not whether he could or could not turn the water into wine. It's when did he turn the water into wine? When? When did it happen? 
when did the water turn into wine? Did it happen when they filled the jars? Did it happen when they put it in the cup? Did it happen just before the master of the banquet took a drink? When did it happen? It's the only thing that's debatable. You see, if it turned into wine when they filled the stone jars, then it would be easy for them to take it to the master of the banquet. They'd have no problem. They'd pour it in and say, whoa, look at that. That was water turned into wine. This is amazing. God is great. Jesus is pretty cool. But I am persuaded that it did not change until they gave it to the master of the banquet. I'm convinced that when they drew the water, not only did they pour the water in the dirty jars, but when they pulled the water out, it was water all the way through, even when they gave it to the master of the banquet and said, oh, this is going to be bad. And I believe that because in verse 9, I'm fully persuaded. <laughs> right at the end of verse 9, verse 9 says, And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Listen to this. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They knew where it came from. And I believe when they drew the cup in the water, they drew water and not wine. And they walked to the master of the banquet with water in the cup. Oh, that may not sound like a big deal to each and every one of us, but it would be a huge step of faith for them because giving the master of the banquet dirty water would lead to severe punishment for the servants. Bad. It would be a bad day for them if they handed him dirty water and, and then he said, this is disgusting. Where'd you get this from? And you've got to tell him you pulled it out of the stone jars. It's not going to be a good day. And so the faith that it requires to listen to Jesus and dip the water and look and say, man, I don't, uh, it's going to require faith for the miracle to take place. They're going to have to give the drink to the master of the banquet before they know that it's going to be wine and not water. I am thoroughly persuaded that all of Jesus' miracles required a strong element of faith on our part. And I believe that's true today. Uh, that in order for a miracle to take place, it requires a strong element of faith on our part. Sometimes we have to step out when it doesn't make any sense. It got me to ask a question Have I been seeking a miracle from God without stepping out in faith? See, I'm really good at that. I want God to fix everything. Anybody else here want God to just fix everything? I want God to come in and just take care of all my problems. I, in, fact, in fact, I've got a good list going for him right now. I, I mean, I got it written out. Hey, if you need me to repeat it, I can. I know it by heart. I need you to fix it. Just make it go away. But sometimes we have to be in the lion's den for God to shut the mouths of the lions. Many times we have to step out in faith. We have to be the one that goes forward and asks. We have to be the one that steps out believing God will do the miracle. So have I been asking for a miracle, seeking a miracle without stepping out in faith? 
The first thing I see in this miracle is that Jesus honored his mother. The second thing that I see is that all of his miracles require faith, and this miracle required a lot of faith. But, oh, man, I'm going to get excited. This last one gets me jumping up and down. The last thing I see is a priceless miracle. Jesus gave a miracle that was truly priceless, uh, one that, uh, that was beyond expectation, one that was better than advertised, one that was greater than great. It was something that was beyond amazing, a priceless miracle. You see, what I've learned in reading God's Word and going through every time uh, that Jesus would do a miracle, and I've searched each and every one, Jesus never does a miracle without a point or a purpose. Jesus doesn't just recklessly do miracles. Jesus just doesn't say, hey, I'm going to do a miracle. Why not? Uh, Hey, I'll just do this. I'll do that. You see, uh, when we look at his miracles, every one of his miracles had a point or a purpose. He did not just go around doing miracles for his friends or, or doing miracles for his mother whenever she asked. He never, ever, ever, not one time has he ever misused his power. Not one time. Every miracle that he performed was something that God was already doing, and he joined God in that work. He never misuses his power. And while it looks like he just did this miracle for his mother and probably his close friends, whoever these friends were at this marriage banquet, uh, although it looks like he's doing this miracle just for them so they won't be embarrassed, or just for mom because she asked for it, Jesus made sure that his first miracle set the pace for his ministry. This miracle has everything we ever need to know about who Jesus is and why he came to this earth. (laughs) Preacher, you're crazy. It was just water turning into wine. You're reading into it a little bit much. You see, (laughs) this miracle set the pace for his ministry. You see, the wine Jesus made wasn't just ordinary wine. The wine that Jesus, uh, the water that Jesus turned into wine, this first miracle that he did, was not just ordinary wine. In fact, it was the best wine that anybody had ever tasted in all of the world. Uh, Listen to what the master of the banquet says in verse 10. Listen to what he says to him. Everyone brings out the choice wine, the best wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Not just the most choice, not just the finest. He says the best, the best ever. (laughs) You saved it until now. We won't go into, (laughs) that's embarrassing for the family, by the way, so Jesus, in a roundabout way, got his point across. Amen. Uh, But Jesus doesn't make ordinary wine. He makes the best anyone's ever tasted. Oh, what does that mean? Well, here's, here's everything. Water. Water was the common drink that anybody could have. You see, back then, they didn't have uh, Pepsi or Mountain Dew. Oh, thank you, Lord, for whoever invented Mountain Dew. Amen. Uh, But they didn't have Mountain Dew back then, and they didn't have any of those things. And they really didn't have drinks. Even uh, to have grape juice, you had to, like, squeeze it and drink it. Like, that that was it, because they couldn't preserve it, and they couldn't keep it. And so, really, you had water, uh, and water was accessible. Water was the common drink that anybody could have. Anyone could have access to it, and it, it really wasn't always clean. 
In fact, more often than not, there was usually bacteria and disease, uh, and this was a concern for the people. Every time they would go and try to get water or try to get something to drink. Now, on the other hand, see, water was just common. Anybody could have it. Usually it was dirty. Uh, usually it had disease or something that to be concerned about. But wine, oh, what a difference. Wine was not something just anybody could have. It was of great value to the people. It was costly. It was something they had to pay for. For and sometimes had to pay a good price for because in the wine there was no bacteria or disease. The alcohol would take care of all of that. And so you see two extremes. Water, common. Wine, oh. Something that everybody wanted. Something of no value. Something of great value to the people. You see, the miracle that Jesus performed was not what everybody could see. It's not the first thing that we read. I might get in trouble because they record this. Praise God. But the miracle really wasn't turning the water into wine. That's what everybody saw. That's what's talked about. That's what's amazing. That's great. Jesus turned the water into wine. First miracle. But that wasn't truly the miracle. You see, the true miracle was that Jesus took something common, something worthless, something that even was dirty, and he turned it into something of great value, something that was priceless, to the people. You see, that was the miracle. The miracle was he took something, oh, he took something common, something dirty, and he turned it into something of great value, something that everybody would want. Why is this miracle so important? Why does this miracle set the pace for everything that Jesus would do in his life? Because Jesus continues to do this same miracle every day in the lives of his people. This is who he was. This is what he came to do. Not turn water into wine, but take what was common and make it extraordinary. That's what he has done in my life. He took a worthless sinner like me and he cleaned me up and he did a miracle in my heart and he gave me love where there was no love before And he changed my attitude, and he changed my mind. He gave me a brand new heart. You see, the miracle that Jesus did that day, the very first miracle, was a miracle that set the pace for his ministry and what he would do. He came to make a miracle every day in the lives of those who put their faith in him. Close with the story of a, an alcoholic who became a believer. One that was deep, uh, steeped in sin and, and everything in his life revolved around a bottle. And one day Jesus came and, and took what the world saw as worthless and radically changed who he was. And he was asked... He was asked by one of his friends who, who didn't believe in Jesus and, and one who, uh, who didn't really believe in all that God could do. He was asked this simple question. 
How could he possibly believe all the nonsense in the Bible about miracles? In fact, he was pressed by his friend that said to him, You don't believe that Jesus changed the water into wine, do you? To which the man replied, I sure do. <laughs> because in our house and in my life and for my family, Jesus changed the whiskey into furniture. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus wants to do a miracle in all of our lives. <laughs> he wants to do a miracle in our friends' lives, in our co-workers' lives, and oh, our families' lives. Mom, can I tell you something today? If you have a son or daughter who's not walking with Jesus today, don't give up. Don't give up. Continue to pray. Continue to call out. Continue to cry out their name to the Lord because He is standing ready to do this priceless miracle in their lives. I had just a few questions as we close our service. Do I honor mom at all times or just when it's best for me? Do I believe in miracles but lack the faith to go and get the water? Oh, and lastly, have I experienced this miracle myself? Have I experienced this miracle of Jesus turning my life, what is worthless, into something that is extraordinary? If not, I can't think of a better Mother's Day gift than to accept the miracle of Jesus today. To let Him change you. Let Him wash you whiter than snow. Let Him do the very first miracle in your heart today. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Lord, I'm thankful for our service today. Lord, I loved hearing the singing and Lord, just love the attitude of worship. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you allow me to be the pastor here at East Flint. Oh Lord, I pray that you help us in the days ahead. I believe you have great things in store for us. And Lord, as we begin this new journey, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you help us to see that you're still doing miracles today, that in this neighborhood and in this community around us, even in this church, you want to do the first miracle over and over and over because it, it is the definition of who you are, taking what is worthless and making it priceless. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for continuing to do that in my life. That, Lord, I, I'm not perfected, and so I need that miracle every day. That daily miracle that changes my heart, that washes me whiter than snow. Lord, may that be our passion as we serve you. Every day, Lord. Every moment. May we serve you to the best of our ability. We love you, Jesus. Be with us as we go today, as we celebrate Mom, as we show this love, this first miracle to all the world. May we have the faith to go and get the water. We love you, Jesus. And we ask this all in your precious, holy, and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Well, uh, moms and ladies, I believe not just moms, but I believe you love on the kids at church. 
As you walk out today, we have a carnation we want to give you to say we love you. You hold high honor with us. May God bless you as you go and serve him today. God bless you. You are dismissed.